Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowitz. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. All righty. As a digital public record used for recording transactions or tracking assets, blockchain technology is poised to rapidly reshape a range of industries in the years to come. Blockchain eliminates middlemen and increases trust by providing a more accurate and transparent ledger for goods moving through the global supply chain. With support from the legislature and public-private partnerships, Arizona is on the cusp of becoming a blockchain leader. And with that, welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm Bianca Buliga, Director of Marketing and Communications at the Arizona Technology Council. I'm temporarily filling in for Karen Nowicki, and I'd like to welcome you to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites tech and business experts to have real conversations about what's happening across the state of Arizona. AZ TechCast discusses the critical issues, topics, and trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. Join me in giving a warm welcome to today's featured guests. We have U.S. Representative David Schweiker, who is currently serving his sixth term in U.S. Congress. How are you doing today, Congressman? You know, just another day of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. We're happy to have you. Thank you for making the time. We also have Scott Carlson, Head of Blockchain and Digital Asset Security at Kadelsky Security. Scott, how are you today? I'm great. I'm uh, happy to participate in the chaos. <laughs> We're happy to have you for the chaos. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, we have Dragan Boscovich, Research Professor at Arizona State University. So these accomplished leaders are going to be joining Steve Zylstra, Council President and CEO, to break down the benefits of leveraging blockchain technology to improve workflows for a wide range of critical industries. We have a lot of interesting content to cover today, so let's just dive right in. Um, I'm going to start by asking each speaker to briefly introduce themselves and the role that their organization plays in Arizona's technology ecosystem. Congressman Schweiker, do you mind kicking things off? I know you might have a, a bit of a different response than some of the yeah, other Yeah, I'm not sure today. I would ever let the politician kick it off. Um, <laughs> look, uh, I have an absolute fascination fixation that blockchain um, can do amazing things, both in capital markets, in social good, identity. Um, I will also share with you, I'm intensely frustrated in the bureaucratic world, how hard it's been to help them understand its elegance. It's not, yeah, it's not that complicated. So, so hopefully we can make some progress there because it feels like it's been years of having the same conversation. Congressman, was there anything else you wanted to add? No, I look forward to parts of the discussion. Thank you so much. I'm going to pass things over to Scott Carlson. 
Hey, thank you. Um, so I'm Scott Carlson. I work at a company called the Kadelsky Group. Our U.S. headquarters is here in Phoenix. Uh, I represent Kadelsky Security today, which is the cybersecurity arm of the company. Uh, part of our blockchain center here at Kadelsky is to do a couple of things, right? We specialize in ensuring integrity of devices and encryption keys and systems and stuff, both from the design part as well as the testing part. And we do a lot of work to assure the safety of blockchains, smart contracts, and systems all around the world. We have some big partners like Solana and Elgrand and many companies here in Arizona. And so I help lead this you know, big team cross world to, uh, to help make this safer to use once people decide it's okay to use. Sounds fascinating. Thanks so much for the intro. Dragon, how about you? Hi, Bianca. Um, I'm good. And I like to start by basically saying that I'm new to academia. Uh, although I'm not a young guy, I have spent 25 plus years in uh, industry. In academia, I have been for the past, um, let me count, eight years, first with uh, Stanford and then and now with ASU. After spending basically most of my life working in advanced technologies with Motorola and Google in a global setting in UK, France, China, and US. I started blockchain research lab here at ASU back in 2017. We have hundreds of students that are very much interested in blockchain, and um, I'm now working hand-in-hand hand with Scott and few other people in state here to basically run Blockchain Applied Research Center with objective of finding good applied applications, say, for blockchain. And uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Don't get too too far ahead in the questions, Dragon. I know we'll be spending plenty of time talking about that a little later. But before we move on, I have to ask, where's the accent from? I'm uh, originally from ex-Yugoslavia, Belgrade. Although I have been out uh, since 88, my accent is still there. <laughs> <laughs> my family is Romanian, so I had to ask. The accent sounds very, very familiar to my ears. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dragon. And Steve, what about you? Do you mind introducing yourself in the council, please? Yeah, Steve Zylstra. I'm president and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. We're a statewide uh, technology trade association representing around 750 uh, members. We have offices in Phoenix and Tucson. We do uh, public policy advocacy on behalf of the tech industry at the state and federal level. Do about 150 events um, each year. Uh, have a number of publications and uh, in addition to that, for our smaller members, we negotiate lower cost products and services on their behalf, like uh, we run an association health plan, we run a 401k program. So pretty much a comprehensive uh, trade association serving tech-based companies. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Now, I'm a little new to blockchain. You all know a lot more than I do, but I figured for the folks tuning in today, we would just start with the basics here. So who wants to jump in and explain what blockchain technology even is and what purpose it serves in business? 
Uh, I would love to start that. Go uh, for it. <laughs> so, so the way I start by explaining blockchain to people is to ask them to imagine if they had to automate and digitize 100% of something, what would they need to do or what would they need to figure out in order to make that happen? And that's what blockchain is trying to accomplish. And so first you need to digitize the information and put it somewhere. Okay, so let's do that and we'll we'll put it in, you know, this database, this list of things. Now, how do I keep these transactions safe? Well, I have to encrypt them or sign them with some specialized mathematics so that I know, you know, they're accurate and they stay the way that I put them. But if I just send them off into the internet or into some digital system, how do I know that nobody's messing with them? How do I know that it actually happened? Well, that's where all the other nodes come in and they sort of watch these transactions and make sure that the math stays the same, the ledger is updated, and this list of transaction keeps going forward in a manner that we put on there, that it keeps the integrity the whole time. But when you think about the different, like why would people participate in this? You might have to reward them with some kind of incentive to participate. Either they get a reward by helping keep this current or they get a reward by uh, you know, getting a little bit of interest kind of thing on on maybe the uh, the token, the monetary unit, the incentive, you know, fraction that they that they used to do this. And so, to me, what a blockchain is is our attempt at digitizing a hundred percent of something in a manner that allows computers to keep it up, that math can prove it's always true, and that can automate different steps with a, a ton of people watching it so that we know it actually happened. We don't have to trust any human beings anymore. That's what blockchain is to me. Congressman Schweikert or Dragon, anything you want to add to the definition or expand upon that? I might like to add a few things. I like what Scott said that's uh, very technical, I would say. Um, I would uh, start with uh, uh, with simplification and uh, say that basically I see blockchain as being third wave of internet revolution, okay? So if first uh, wave or if we really call that web 1.0 was all about enabling us to get easy access to information that is re, okay, just re. Then with web 2.0, we had basically ability now to interact with internet and we can write. So we have Facebooks and LinkedIn's and also other things with blockchain that is enabling web 3.0 that is now enabling us to own the data, okay? And I would put emphasis on own. So now the data is not really my data that I live in internet is not Google's or Netflix data. It is my data and now Blockchain is giving me ability to tokenize that and, as Scott explained, uh, also get something in return for trading that data in context of applications that other people are interested in. Congressman Schweikert, um, what are some of the benefits that uh, blockchain brings to business uh, workflows? And 
Are there particular uh, industries or transactions that benefit more than others? Um, the answer is yes. And, and look, um, as we're trying to define blockchain, this is um, something I've learned. Several years ago, I used to do a whiteboard presentation on how I would set up an escrowing system if a blockchain ran slow. You know, now, and I realized I was doing whiteboard presentations on the technology and the concept of the node networks. And here's my, you know, I could split my nodes and here's my nodes to do certification. And, you know, what, you know, I, do I need 100%? And then I, I came to almost the question you're asking. The vast majority of people don't want to know how it works, don't need to know how it works. We need to sell the benefits. You and I may be interested in the underlying technology because it's really neat and actually yeah. shockingly simple if you really whiteboard it. But, it, you know, if you think about everything from commercial transactions, you know, the ability to have smart contracts, the ability to have copyrights attached in, 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 you know, in this digital you know, world. But I've even been trying very hard for the last few years to come up with local and state models. Um, how many pieces of equipment does ev do every city own? How many of them own the same piece of equipment? Could you ever put them up on a well-designed distributive ledger and say, why don't we start just a system of Tempe shares with Scottsdale, Scottsdale shares with Phoenix, instead of buying a piece of equipment that sits in the storage shed and gets used twice a year. It was the ability to document its asset, document its use, and even set up a trading payment system. Um, and so for use cases for you know, students at ASU, there's lots of these examples where it could have really good government, good economic, but also personal ID and, and, and personal information protection. We need to be selling the benefits and probably fewer conversations on how a node network works. Other uh, input on the benefits of blockchain and particularly that question about are there particular industries or uh, opportunities that are uh, more lend themselves more to blockchain than others? Well, I, I think Congressman is right on there with with his use cases there. A, a lot of the tracking use cases, I think, are the ones that people uh, definitely find value in and actually understand the most. You know, on one end, you have will this ever replace money? That's a you know big debate that people have. On the other side, you know, is it okay to consider this? you know, the same as a database, right? There's the Pierce on the other side. But when you start thinking about a, a supply chain transaction or tracking a piece of good, it, if you can guarantee that you know exactly where it is, that you follow it the whole time, and that you can kind of go claim it and somebody can approve that, there, that has a lot of use in, in bartering and buying and selling and moving things around that we have never been able to do before. We have never been able to automate these kind of systems and make the information available safely. Uh, I, I think that's what's a really good benefit of this. Scott, Dragon, I bring up an interesting point there with being able to track goods. Do you think there's a big opportunity to sort of implement blockchain with some of the supply chain issues that we're seeing right now? Is there a way to maybe make those systems more efficient going forward? Yeah, yeah you know, blockchain will never fix availability of goods problems. You know, sure. it won't get more ships or put minerals in the ground. But what it could do is it could allow information exchange quicker 
so that people have the information uh, up to the second with where everything is. I mean, if you can make sure that the information gets in to the supply chain at the beginning correctly, you know, step zero, the information is accurate, you can pretty much keep it accurate up to the second or up to the last check-in the whole time and then expose that to everybody so they know what the truth is right then. I, I think that's a super important thing is that everybody understands that the integrity and the truth, like it's actually accurate. People like accurate things. <laughs> Congressman, it seems like you're dying to chime in on no, something. I, Do you have something to add? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I think the professor's um, classes have actually looked at some of this. You know, many of us are trying to make economic models and tax models and those things. And much of the information we're basing it on, just uh, forgive, I'm going to use a technical term, lots of slop um, in it. You know, trade subcommittee for ways and means. We have a running debate. How much that is it? A, you know, how many billions of dollars of goods are sitting on ships? It's out there. But could you imagine if you had it in a fashion where it was actually usable, protected, couldn't be played with? Um, for those of us who are trying to make tax trade um, types of, of decisions and you know economic decision making, it's basically the backbone of information theory. Dragon, um, is it the benefits of blockchain that inspire uh, your students uh, to get interested in blockchain and you know study the subject? I think uh, students uh, definitely think differently to uh, us. And I would say that, that uh, they are much younger and uh, they were born in this era of shared economy that Congressman tried to uh, explain. So for them, sharing the scooter and the car and the bike is just normal, okay? so. Uh, they 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 basically see a world with different pair of eyes uh, than us, and for them, blockchain is just enabling uh, really transactional use cases. And blockchain is uh, good for that. That I can monitor transaction. I can verify. I can audit that real time. So they see a plenty of applications um, and um, I can spend probably half day uh, just counting them. Some of them are, are good. Some of them will need some further work on, but that is normal. Uh, what I want to say that um, uh, we have students that um, are happy to invest time and energy into something that they see is new, that they see is giving them a better starting position in this world. I would say that my student club right now has over 200 uh, students with many networks coming to present. And for instance, Student Club already runs as DAO DAO uh, organization. They have Web3 page. They don't have basically Web page. They have that on 
blockchain as an NFT. So they are completely in uh, this space and we need uh, to follow them and learn from them same as they learn from us, from our experiences. I, I think I'd like to jump in really quickly before before Scott, you you jump in. I want to make sure we're carving out some time for our commercial breaks to thank our sponsors, and then you can jump in right after. So I want to start by thanking the Arizona Commerce Authority, AZ TechCast's 2022 Innovation Sponsor. The Arizona Commerce Authority is the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities, to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high quality living that makes life better here. Dave and the commercial had student leaders top of mind. I hope that gave you a moment to collect your thoughts, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that Dragon said that's really interesting to me is that students kind of have no limits. They have no bounds. They don't like have a, we used to do it like this. So we still have to do it like this mentality. And one thing that's really cool about Arizona is this blockchain sandbox that got created a few years ago where we can safely experiment with this technology. It's really interesting when you think about, you know, blockchain changing all the things, right? You just put blockchain on everything. And so first you have to experiment to see if you can do it. And then you have to think through, should you do it? But we can't forget this part, is it legal to actually do it in the real world? You know, there are things here in Arizona which still require wet signatures because that's in the law. There are things that are money versus not money. Like these things have to be instantiated in law for this to actually have practical implications. And, you know, I know the Congressman has worked a lot on that the last couple of years. And um, I've had a little bit of influence in some of the conversations there. And it's, you know, really important that we be able to experiment in order to figure this stuff out early. Scott, you brought up a, an important point. All, all of us are Arizonans and we care about Arizona and its economy and its future. What have either the private or the public sector done around blockchain, blockchain to exert leadership? Uh, you mentioned the sandbox, that's uh, one aspect of that. What are some of the other things that Arizona 
again, either the government or uh, the private sector have done to sort of take the lead on blockchain. Any of you? There's some companies here, you know, right, Dragon? Um, you know, Dash is located here. There's a lot of uh, experimental startups here, supply chain companies. Um, you know, Kadelsky is located here. We're doing a bunch of blockchain work. I know the congressman has a bunch of bills that have gone through and are in proposed right now. Uh, so I think we're actually pretty advanced. You know, we might not have crossed the finish line on all the legal things, but uh, we're a pretty good tech up here. And with GPEC and the Tech Council and um, the Blockchain Research Center, I, I think we're, you know, experimenting with some really cool things. Dragon, anything uh, in particular at ASU that um, comes to mind in terms of the leadership? I, I don't know, for instance, whether all the major universities have blockchain activities, teaching, research going on, is, uh, does ASU stand out? Yeah, um, I think we have started uh, early. We are not the first ones, but we are fast followers, as we like to say. So um, when I uh, speak to um, some people, we are definitely recognized as one of the leaders uh, among top uh, 10, 20, uh, our advantage is that we have a large body of students. Um, we are also very well plugged into global initiatives. Uh, we work with other institutions in Europe and Asia. Just uh, today, I did receive recognition from uh, uh, EU uh, that uh, ASU is the uh, best collaborative university uh, for blockchain. Uh, so um, I think we have a lot of uh, things to be proud of. Um, and um, uh, as, as I like to say, I'm relatively new to Arizona too, but I feel already so much embedded and I see endless opportunities for us to uh, advance this going forward. Congressman, um, I think long before I even heard of blockchain, you were already promoting uh, how important it was, um, uh, use cases, uh, you were introducing legislation. So as our congressman, you've taken the lead at the federal level uh, on blockchain. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that? Well, um, with the, and you told me earlier that we're not allowed to do any cursing. So um, <laughs> look, um, there really are um, uh, amazing opportunities. And, you know, but you have to weave through the law up and down. So let's say Arizona. And I'm sorry, but I like to almost take it back to actual use cases to help folks sort of see it. Um, let's say we put land title, the title chain. So we march down to the county recorder's office. We put the chains of title on a blockchain. And you could use every government server, you know, the state and county. You know, so you have lots of nodes. You can, you know, set up. So, you know, it, 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 it avoids certain other issues. If we did that in state level, wonderful. Now you need to actually align a number of federal laws because are you allowed to get a, um, a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, um, a guaranteed loan if the title policy is issued through a chain? 
Um, so there's lots of that sort of thing. Uh, the, the, the stock certificate you get, um, the credentials you have that you have this licensure and you want to move across states or you want to operate in the Federal National Guard or you know these sorts of things. So that's one of the things we do in Congress is we're trying to weave through every time we get an opportunity that say if there's a certified chain of this standards or these uh, that it's recognized. Um, one of the other ones we've worked on and we've actually accomplished parts of this is types of medical data, what level of encryption works. And I believe this is incredibly important. I, and you and I have talked about this. I believe much of the technology in Arizona is it's going to be actually the personal medical. But the rails that data runs on, I believe, will be a tokened encrypted blockchain because you still need to allow your emergency room to look at it if you're there bleeding and unconscious. But at the same time, you want to see who's looked at you. Right. So there's lots of layers. Last thing I'll throw out, a few years ago, Representative Winnegar and myself, we met with, I won't name who, ADOT, and talked to them about, they're going through this large data project. Why not just start with something simple? Put our driver's licenses on a chain. And that way in the future, if I wanted to put my hunting license or my real estate license or have levels of permission and put my tax returns where that way I could see who's looking at me, but I have access to all the things the state or the county or my local own. And it was shocking. Everyone loved the little whiteboard presentation, except it terrified the bureaucrats because the number of them who realized it would make Arizona citizens' lives so much simpler having a single porthole that's secure. And then you take it to the social good. I know I'm rambling a bit. But, you know, you're the police officer, you have the homeless person on the side of the street, your ability to identify them, to know what benefits they're signed up for. Are they in the state healthcare system? Are they off their meds? There are things, you know, so you and I immediately start to think about, okay, the business that wants to know how much of its equipment is sitting on a container ship. And for those sometimes in government, we're trying to say, this also could really help in the management and of our information and our social services. I, d I definitely don't want us to get into a discussion about voter rights, but could blockchain be used in uh, the voting process? As you know, there's legislation moving through state legislatures around the country, including here, to make voting safer and, and so on. Could blockchain be used for that? Sure. And there's already that experiment has already occurred um, three, four years ago in a number of, of small municipal um, jurisdictions, I believe in Massachusetts and a couple other places where they used a chain. And so far, proof of concept, it's small, but it's 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 pretty obvious. Yeah, that's what I thought. So if I um, can go can ahead I on that real quick. When you when you ask the question, would it be really useful to have a central place to look up information, it would be really useful. It would be really useful. It was current. It would be really useful. I could trust it. But when you ask questions like that, people tend to think about what they know over the last 10, 20, 30 years, which is if I put information all in one place, it just gets hacked. Right. 
which is some of the things we need to overcome in the conversational aspect of blockchain. Because when we know the technology underneath, we think the math is strong enough, the nodes will prohibit that, you know, the, the different rules of the contracts stop certain things. But we still have human beings involved at the front end of some of these processes. We still have some, you know, insecure devices at the front end of some of these processes. So we really have to test the use cases, you know, the tech plugged in with the process plugged in with the people uh, to see, it, you know, if we're ready. There are some use cases we're just not ready for. Others we're, you know, well past ready for. And I think that's a pretty interesting thought exercise when you start to go through the steps one at a time. I was going to ask uh, both Dragon and Scott, you've um, alluded to the uh, Arizona Blockchain Applied Research Center, uh, which has come into being in the last uh, couple of years. Um, could you tell us uh, what the partnership is about, what you hope it will lead to, what it might look like two Dragon? to five years from now? Basically, BARC, as we call it, is a PPP, public-private partnership uh, between uh, industry and Arizona government. Objective is definitely to uh, promote the uh, use of blockchain technology for uh, applied or onto applied problems that will basically make Arizona become living lab for uh, those uh, industries that uh, like to uh, think a step ahead, uh, like to move from centralized to decentralized mode of operation, uh, would like to tap into uh, talents that we have here in Arizona. And um, I think that is one of the uh, objectives that we uh, uh, have in mind. We have assembled a strong industrial support uh, beyond uh, Kudalski that is a founding member and initiated uh, the process. We have uh, Intel that is very much uh, involved um, we have um, then early warning from uh, financial services that is very much uh, involved. Uh, we have BD on the medical device supply chain that is uh, involved. So uh, I'm just mentioning few and uh, the, the, the ecosystem is growing. Um, our objective is to bring also smaller, younger companies that can benefit from infrastructure that we are uh, putting in place. I would just mention one example. For instance, we have Fashion X uh, that is uh, basically a small company here in uh, Phoenix focused on fashion, and they like to build metaverse uh, and they like to have their supply chain on blockchain. So those are smaller companies, but we are with very fresh thinking and we are helping them take advantage of what we have in the States 
And all this is also supplemented with uh, the uh, additional funding from the state in order to promote uh, this uh, development. So um, I'll stop there and ask Scott if I missed anything uh, so that he cannot. Was this state funded? Yeah, it's so it partially is. And so the keyword here is the applied part, right? So that's uh, built originally with matching funds from the state. Uh, corporate entities put in their chunk, the state matches the funds to then fund the center. And when we were doing the original conversations, really the focus was on the word applied, right? We know a lot of research never leaves the lab, never really influences your local economy. And that's kind of the point here. How do we influence local Phoenix, local Arizona? with this applied research that will help solve some of these problems for real. These companies are, you know, local and we're, you know, focused on uh, applied sort of outcome projects that not only could be monetized, but useful as building blocks to other people. A couple of the early projects are about, you know, automatic identification of devices if you're going to use it on a chain. Or how do you track it around a building if you move a, a medical device around? How do you uh, keep track of voting? If, for instance, you're supposed to do, if you could do corporate voting. Uh, I know many people who are listening probably have proxy voted with their stock shares. And, you know, if you look at the actual process of that, how it is today, you know, you kind of vote to your broker who kind of votes to somebody else who kind of votes to somebody else and then they aggregate them and then they vote. Uh, but if that could be rewound all the way where you knew how many votes somebody got and they could just click a button and it would vote, that would be faster and maybe more useful in a lot of different use cases. So we have to experiment that. Uh, and so I, I fixate a lot on the word applied because we have to go play for real. Um, in the cyber world, you have to try it and play for real and lose a few times and then get it right. Uh, and that's what we're doing here in the Applied Research Center. Bianca, you were going to ask something earlier, and I interrupted you. You read my mind, but I'm I'm curious in in terms of the rollout of AZ Bark. Um, that's actually the main reason that I uh, put together this techcast was because I saw the press that was um, going around around this new initiative. So congratulations on that. But I'm curious too: is there um, an opportunity with AZ Bark? to extend education and to invite um, women, more women and people of color into the conversation to help shape the future trajectory of this technology. Absolutely. You know, one of the, one of the things that we have talked about um, at the founding members is how to bring more members in, not only the corporate sponsors, but what uh, kind of good can we do with these projects and how can we use the state provided funds to to, to think about the startups and the interesting thing they're they're doing. And Dragon, I know you uh, work with students and uh, other sort of research projects with yeah. with folks in locally here like this. Yeah, I can I can uh, expand on that uh, too. So um, I would just give um, one example. Uh, uh, just recently, for instance, uh, we have received invitation uh, to apply for the Blockchain Center of Excellence that is funded by Algorand Network. And again, that is based on the recognition, both uh, what we are doing uh, on applied side with industry and what we are doing on academia. Um, uh, as I said, our student club is 
200 plus students, and those are not just engineering students. It is uh, really minority that we have uh, engineering students. We have design, uh, business, uh, math, uh, just to mention few, art, uh, of course. And uh, they come from all base of life. So uh, for them, blockchain is something that they see as a uh, fresh opportunity, equalizer in many different ways, not just economic. And they would like to be uh, pioneers. So I'm excited. Uh, to be on both sides, uh, basically using my industrial experience to work with Scott and others to look into applied issues, problems, but at the same time, uh, finding and drawing energy from younger people and their ideas, trying to put myself in their shoes and thinking uh, uh, how they see this world and what they see in blockchain in order to help guide them. So very exciting and very fulfilling. I appreciate that we're approaching it from a holistic lens. Um, Before we do move forward, Steve, I would love to just thank our second sponsor, our 2022 tech advocate sponsor, JDH Insights. Uh, They are a leader in coaching and executive development and are committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. Congressman, I used to tell people that you were the most tech-savvy congressman of the delegation. Of course, then we added Mark Kelly to the delegation, so now maybe it's a toss-up. But um, you've always been a strong supporter of STEM education and the importance of uh, technology and driving the the economy forward. How can we uh, attract more uh, students into uh, these kinds of academic situations where, you know, blockchain is a real opportunity for them and could create an entire career around it? March into a handful of the high schools that may have the demographics that make you nervous and say, we want to do a club. We're going to go get a couple of sponsors and we're going to teach you how to program a video game. We're going to teach you how to do some of the most basic coding. And if you can't do it on the school campus, find the crappy building across the street, clean it up and make a club. The fact of the matter is, and my reason I say this is we tried this a couple of years ago at a high school in South Central Phoenix. And we were functionally shied away. Um, We we were shocked. Um, And we had a couple of good corporate sponsors. And all they wanted to do was basic programming of sort of, because it was sort of that introduction. Uh, You know, as the argument is, is certain types of coding in the future 
I don't want to say we'll be almost blue collar, but it's not like how many of you and I grew up where we had to figure out, you know, to write the line of code and test it and write it and test it and test it and write it and then break it. The ability to do assembling now, just building that mindset with young people. And then the thing that's heresy is also redefining what is a high-tech education. Is it my four-year computer degree? You know, or is it um, I, I started school, but what I'm doing is I'm getting an Oracle DBA that without a four-year degree, but the, that certificate makes me valuable. And that means, once again, are you willing to disrupt many of our friends in sort of what is the establishment? If you really care about these young people, um, maybe we should start to think about the way we do accreditation and the way we do the introduction to the technology very differently. Some disruptive thinking. Um, and, and we talk about it a lot and are terrified of actually executing. Yeah. Scott, um, companies like your, your own are having a hard time finding talent during this great economy that we've got going right now. And talent is critically important to you being successful at, at what, what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, tell us what Kodalski's doing around workforce, around STEM education sure. that um, could benefit the students we're talking about. Well, you know, that's almost a joke sometimes in, in high tech. When you put on an entry-level job, you say, must have five years of experience in blockchain, you know, must be programming Rust for 20 years. And it's only been around two years, right? right? But so you never get any people who apply. And once we realized that we had to form a, a team internally and sort of figure out how do we approach this differently? How do we start doing career fairs? How do we figure out more along the lines of let's find the right people who fit in our culture, who have the right thinking process that we can then teach the cyber skills or teach the blockchain skills. We are starting to uh, look at the folks we're bringing in as uh, very capable human beings. Like really, that's what it is. They have the ability to think through problems that we throw at them. We are then putting them through a boot camp to train them on blockchain and cyber and, and how to be the bad guy. A lot of what we do is pretending to be the bad guy before the bad guy is that. And so we have a number of initiatives internally, local in Phoenix and globally, uh, for all the different um, you know, regions of the world and, and communities uh, of people, uh, as well as career fairs that we are trying to step into to figure out which one is right for the type of people you bring in uh, to the cyber world. Th there is obviously a gap between entry-level skill and 20-year expert skill. But unless you start to do this mentor-apprentice thing, which I don't think cyber does enough of, uh, we won't grow the younger talent into the 20-year expert in 20 years. We, we better start. Yeah. I think we are. And, and apprenticeships are becoming uh, much more popular in IT and, and cyber. We've been uh, supporting a model called Apprenti, and PayPal, in fact, is uh, using it in, in cyber and IT right now. It was developed by the Washington Technology Industry Association, our peer in Washington uh, State. Dragon, we have a very active meetup group, blockchain meetup group here uh, in Arizona, run by uh, Jay Carpenter. You've mentioned that you have 200 students uh, in your club. Uh, that's pretty impressive. 
what can we do to, to attract more students into pursuing degrees or certifications as the Congressman mentioned uh, in this area? Yeah, uh, I know Jay and we uh, work very closely on a few uh, issues. And I like what I hear that basically having university degree is not necessarily something that qualifies you to uh, be excellent in applying knowledge on a specific uh, problem. So here at uh, ASU and in association with business uh, school, we have also this uh, schema by which students are placed in uh, industry in workplace for a year or two, and they are getting credits or experience that they get within that uh, work environment. And then that counts towards their degrees. Uh, so uh, I think ASU, again, uh, being very innovative as uh, it is, we definitely recognize the need uh, to uh, uh, play uh, more uh, closely with industry, understand the needs. Um, nowadays, I think uh, the uh, skill uh, or the set of skills that you need in order to accomplish specific job is probably much greater, much uh, greater than uh, ever before. So you need to uh, more or less be Swiss knife. And I'm sure that Scott is uh, going to like that because Kudelski is a Swiss company. <laughs> <laughs> Congressman Schweiker, um, you work at the national level, at the federal level. You get to see what's going on uh, nationally. Are there other states that have been doing uh, things that are innovative in blockchain that we should be looking at? Um, how can we stay competitive uh, as a state with what's going on around the country? Um, look, we did good when we adopted the sandbox, but, uh, and forgive me, I've had a lot of caffeine already today, so maybe I'm sounding a little more cynical than normal, um, but I've been frustrated we haven't moved on it. We've had so many sort of case studies, and, you know, a good example is, you know, my real estate license is public data. You can go online and see it right there. It's already in an open database. What harm does it make saying we're going to build a backbone behind that and start to build off of things like that? So um, I do have a level of frustration, but I do see other states. Um, Iowa um, did some really creative things a couple of years ago. Massachusetts you know, has a, an incredible talent pool around them. And with their experiments, even doing some local elections to um, you know, uh, California as a state government talking about wanting to be able to track produce you know, and certain health and safety data. My fear is we were an early starter as Arizona building some concepts, but we're no longer truly the cutting edge anymore. We need, we need to step up our game and say, title policies can be on a chain or start to do, or we recognize certain types of smart contracts. My payment of my taxes to the state are between individuals or these things. Arizona will recognize these types of executed smart contracts. 
there's an opportunity here. We're going to build this. And we're also becoming sort of the warehousing center for Southern California. If we're also on the cusp of autonomous trucks, autonomous freight, all these other things, just building the mechanisms of how do you recognize, how do you pay? Hey, the truck just crossed the state line, paid the driver this much money. All that stuff will need a bit of a statutory backbone from the state legislature. Bianca, do we have time for one more question? Sure, let's do one more. Yeah, um, time goes so fast. Um, do Would any of you like to talk about any trends that you're seeing uh, in blockchain that uh, our audience might not be aware of that uh, have caught your eye? Um, particularly, you know, things that might be transformed as a result of blockchain over the next uh, decade. Any predictions for 2030 and what we might look like as an economy as a result of blockchain? So over the last 18 months or so, the amount of venture capital funds flowing into this ecosystem is insane. There's so much money. And a lot of that money is going to infrastructure, but also a lot to digital ownership, digital rights, this NFT topic, this sort of permanency of a digital item. And what I actually think will happen over the next few years is that we will start to explore topics like, what if I can own my copy of Bambi instead of just buy it on DVD and VHS? I have a digital copy and I can put it wherever I want. You know, my titles and, and properties and ID will be a digital artifact that I can get wherever I want. These things will start to be real because we will get used to the fact that, like I took a picture on my iPhone and it's a digital copy of my family. These digital copies of things are also mine and I can use them wherever I want, not in the place somebody told me I could use it, but I can freely move it around. I think we're going to start to see that. Congressman, are we going to go have a digital dollar? Yeah, at some point. Um, but that's more trying to reduce friction as it, as it is anything. And once again, if it's a Federal Reserve issued dollar, it's functionally just part of money supply. So, um, you know, uh, but I can actually take you through a couple of case sort of thought experiments as, you know, healthcare costs are the primary driver of U.S. sovereign debt. You know, over the next 30 years, $112 trillion in borrowed money in today's dollars, three quarters of that is just Medicare. If technology is the opportunity to do a disruption of the cost of healthcare, I will argue data, blockchain, present uh, protection of your medical records, but also even things of, well, if I'm wearing the thing on my body or blowing into it, that I'm allowing the algorithm to write a prescription because the sensors are so good. Just that mechanism needs to be on a well-encrypted, protected, distributive ledger, but also has different levels of permission. So I need to protect my information, but I need the pharmacy to be able to see it so they can write the script or fill the script. So it's chicken and the egg. Can we change federal law and state laws where technology is allowed to write a prescription, and as soon as that becomes the law, then the infrastructure underneath it, I believe, is filled by the chain. Very cool. Dragon, anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I would uh, agree with everything that uh, has been already uh, said. I would just uh, mention that I see blockchain as enabling business innovation, and we are moving into data economy. So blockchain is enabling uh, data transactions. So what mm -hmm. Congressman mentioned is right. It is not any longer that I'm just lending my data or giving my data away. I would like to be in the center of those business models and my data should be basically paid for by other people needing that. So that is where I think we are moving to and in 10, 20 years, I'm not sure. I have that piece of legislation to make your data property right. So, you know, yeah. which actually fits very nice in the whole concept of ecosystem. Very cool. Well, gentlemen, I, I know we're running out of time here. Steve, did you have anything else you wanted to add before I close things out? Just express my great appreciation for all three of you being here today. It's been a greatly interesting conversation. It's uh, impactful and uh, it's, it's going to change the way we live and work uh, in the future. So we appreciate your insights and uh the education you've provided me and the rest of our audience. And thank you for being here today. Yes, and thank you for making blockchain just a little bit more digestible for me too. Uh, you've been listening to AZ TechCast, folks, brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. Today's AZ TechCast was brought to you by the Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. So thank you, Arizona Commerce Authority. And many thanks to JDH Insights, the 2022 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. And if you're interested in being a podcast participant or a sponsor for the Council's AZ TechCast, contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org and I will respond to lock in your opportunity to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Until next time, I'm Bianca Buliga filling in for Karen Nowicki. Thank you for joining us for AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council, featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve.